0: put in my spirit for tonight. And so I'm just going to take your attention to the book of Ephesians chapter 1 and while you're turning there tonight I feel like that the Lord is wanting to speak specifically to certain individuals, certain people that need what I'm going to say tonight. And so for all the rest of you who feel like that I'm shooting beneath you or shooting around you tonight. I need you to support me real strong while I'm preaching tonight. Would you do that? But there's some tonight, without a doubt, the scripture said that his word never goes out void. And so there's some tonight, and I I may not even understand and know who that I'm speaking to tonight, but I know what the Lord said do, and so I'm going to do what the Lord said do. And uh, I love the Sunday night shout and normally My messages are faith-filled, and I'm usually doing my best to ring the bell, and tonight I feel like that I need to just pull some things down and talk to some people tonight that need to have a clear understanding about what this is all about. I want to talk to you tonight about why we need why we must have the Holy Ghost. Is that okay? We're going to talk about why we must have the Holy Ghost and what the Holy Ghost will do in your life. You cannot survive in this world living a repented or even living a repented and baptized life. You cannot survive in this world without the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to show you in Scripture tonight why you must have the Holy Ghost. Now, I know you're expecting me to jump on the candy stick and take you to the Gospels and declare unto you that you must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. But I'm taking it tonight that most everyone in this room already knows that you must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. So I'm going to even define the the obvious tonight and get beyond just the, the idea of preaching to you that you must have the Holy Ghost. But I want to tell you what the Holy Ghost is going to do in your life and how it's going to work in your life and why it is important for you to have the Holy Ghost. Now this is what I want to say to you. If you are in the room tonight and have never been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you know you've been filled with the Holy Ghost Because you spoke with other tongues when the Spirit of God moved upon you and as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. If you have never had that experience, when I complete what I'm going to say to you tonight, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come forward. It's not going to be the normal Sunday night. Everybody may not be in a frenzy. We may not be rallying. We may be. I don't know. We'll just see where we go to. But if you'll have the faith and the courage to walk forward, there's some altar workers here that's going to come pray with you. And you don't have to tarry all night. It won't take long. But when you repent of your sins and are baptized in Jesus' name, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It is your promise. It is yours. You just have to receive it. Ephesians chapter 3. Verse number 13, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, everybody say after you believed, after you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. I'm just going to take my time. Is this all right? I want you, if you have your Bibles and you don't already have this marked, you ought to be underlined. And if you write in your Bibles, and I suggest you do, right here particularly, this last phrase of that 13th verse simply says, After believing, after you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So the Holy Ghost comes after you believe. Believing is not the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost comes after you believe, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. By the help of the Lord tonight, I want to talk about the seal of the Holy Ghost, the seal of the Holy Ghost. Would you pray that God does exactly what he intends to do in this house tonight without human interference at all? Lord, I want my flesh to be out of the way tonight. Lord, we come against every demonic spirit and every human spirit that may try to hinder what you want to do in this room tonight. But I pray for clarity of mind and of thought. I come with the word tonight to reason together with people that need your word to come alive in their life. And I pray, Lord, that the power of the Holy Ghost be released before I'm done tonight. And that, Lord, you confirm your words with signs following. And we thank you and believe you for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. The riches of a child of God are found in the promises of God. And these promises of God, the scripture said that his promises are yea and amen. Meaning that the promises of God are certain. In other words, if God says it, he is going to do it. So therefore, when the Lord says that there is a promise that belongs to you, there is no doubt that that promise is yours and it's yours for the taking. If the Lord ever gives you a word, you can cling to that word because he will always perform the word in which he declares. He'll never, ever, his word will never, ever, ever lie. God will never lie. He he will always accomplish what he intends to do. Now, it is not sufficient that the promises are sure, but the scripture said that they are yea and Amen, are that they are sure and established. Everybody say the word established. They are sure and established, meaning that by established means meaning that there is a foundation that has been set. Except we build on the that build our faith on the foundation of the word of God, we are building on sinking sand. So therefore, this word, ladies and gentlemen, does not need. Uh, I, I don't need to to try to to take this word and 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 change it. This word declares what I must do to be saved. It is emphatic. It is clear. If we open the Word of God, as a matter of fact, I think I might have quoted the scripture to someone this morning uh, after our service um, that those who earnestly seek the Lord, those who seek Him, that when the Spirit of truth, everybody say the Spirit of truth, when the Spirit of truth has come, it will lead us and guide us into all truth, meaning that there will be a completion. So um, we, we have to recognize that what we Are doing. If if we're just showing up to church just because we like music or we like fellowship, that's what we're gonna get out of church. But I want to talk to you a little bit tonight because we've got to build a foundation a lot more secure than a foundation that is built upon enjoying good fellowship with God's people. Enjoying good oratory or faith-building messages or or enjoying a small group or enjoying some portion or the the, the excitement that comes with with praise and worship and uh, maybe even enjoying what we feel in the house of the Lord. How many of you felt His presence tonight? You could feel and sense the presence of God in the house, but more than just enjoying His presence. And I always want to feel after Him, but I cannot base my my foundation upon what I feel because tomorrow morning when I wake up I may not feel what I feel when I'm in a worship service on Sunday night and so therefore my foundation has got to be built on something that is much more solid than a feeling or an emotion. It can't be built on a testimony of what God has done for somebody else. But my foundation has got to be established. It's got to be, on, it's got to be built on a foundation of faith that is based in the Word of God. It doesn't matter what you think about the Word or what I think about this word it matters what this word says and declares the bible tells us we talk about interpretation of the word and the bible is very clear that the the, that the scripture is not left to private interpretation individuals are not to interpret the word the way that they see it or the way that they view it but that the scripture should interpret the scripture in other words the word of God will give you more scripture. That's why the scripture said that there is that there is no private interpretation of scripture. Now I want to help you understand what is meant by private interpretation of scripture. It's not talking about an individual going into a private room and privately interpreting the scripture, but it is meaning that no singular scripture is given to us by doctrine except it has many infallible proofs am I in the Word of God tonight which means if there is a doctrine in Scripture it will be supported in multiple places in the Word of God we will see it more there will be a thread through Scripture there will be a theme you can find it in the Old Testament coming through to the New Testament see it is a it is a theme now that same divine power of God that speaks that Spoke the universe into existence and that we see all through the Old Testament. We also see in the New Testament in that same divine power of God is the power in which broke the yoke of sin upon our lives. It is the same power of God. It is the Holy Ghost. Only the work of the Holy Ghost would be able to do Uh, what what has been done in some of our lives. If I was to ask testimonies tonight, some of you God delivered from alcohol. Somebody ought to say amen. Some of you God delivered from drugs. Somebody ought to say amen. Some of you maybe God delivered. You don't have to say amen, but some of you God delivered from perversion. Maybe some from pornography. Maybe some from drug addiction. Maybe some from uh, illicit lifestyles. Whatever that God delivered you from. As a matter of fact, in this conversation, Congregation, We're made up of a multiplicity of things that God has delivered us from. It was the divine power of God that delivered us and brought us out. No man could do what God did in our lives. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the work of the Holy Spirit. That is the Holy Ghost at work in our lives. It is when God, through His Spirit, does something in our lives that is absolutely impossible for us to do on our own. As a matter of fact, Philippians chapter 1 said, He which hath begun a good work in you will finish it. Somebody ought to say amen. I want you to understand this. Just because God has done a good work in your life does not mean that that work is completed in you. There is a beginning, and it is a good work. But Philippians 1 and 6 says that what he began, he will finish or he will complete. It's one thing to start something. It's something else for it to be finished. So the work that begun in you when God began first begin to deal with you and bring you out of the miry clay, begin to turn your life around. God begin to to deal with you about your sin, about your lifestyle, about where you've you, about the things you're doing, the ways you're acting, your conversations, and God begins to to change that in you. That is not a complete work. That is the beginning of the work. When when God begins to convict us in our heart and say, you ought to not act that way. You ought to not do that. You ought to not go there. You ought to not You ought to not go back to those places and go back to doing, you ought to not lie anymore and steal anymore and, and you ought to not, and so this is the beginning of the work that God is doing in your life. When God begins to call you out, begins to change your life, that is the beginning. But the scripture in Philippians 1 and 6 declares that that is a good work that he started in you, but he is also able to finish that work. Now, there is a finishing work that God God intends to do in your life, that work of finishing. Now, I want you to hold on to that thought. If we could just put that over here and hold it on the main screen over to the side. If we could just somehow hold it on the desktop while we now reach over and open a brand new file. And now we're going to begin to look at some other scriptures that began to give us insight into what God is wanting to do in our lives. That completion of the work, that finishing work that Philippians talks about in second Corinthians the first chapter the scripture says now he which establisheth us everybody say establisheth us i know that's a mouthful he which uh, it, it, let me put it in modern day language or he which establishes us he which puts us which he which puts our feet on firm ground he which puts, anchors us to something that is solid. It's not sand. It's not mud. It's something that is firm. He anchors us or he establishes us. Uh, with you in Christ hath anointed us and that is God. Then he goes on to the 22nd verse and it says, Who also sealed us. And I want you to understand this. Is this all right? Am I okay? I'm going to walk you through this tonight. So, so the Lord plants our feet on solid ground. He, that is the beginning of the work. That is not the completion of the work. So he brings us out. He changes our thoughts, changes our mind. And there is a process that he's doing in us. Everybody say a process. Meaning that it's not finished yet. But he, Philippians said he will finish it. But it's not finished yet. It is a work in progress. So uh, the scripture goes on and here and declares that he has sealed us and given us the earnest of the spirit in our hearts. The earnest of the spirit in our hearts. Now, I, I want you to wrap your mind around the idea that this, he has sealed us. He, he, this It's God in, in verse 21 who hath sealed us and give us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Now here, if I am understanding this correctly, that this sealing, this seal, this seal that he will give us is the earnest of the Spirit. See, the seal is the earnest of the Spirit which he has put in our hearts hearts. So now let me let me help you now so I don't jump too far ahead of you and give you the innuendos that this has given us into the scripture here. The spirit that is in our hearts is the spirit of God. It is the Spirit of Christ. The Bible is full of words that talk about what the Spirit is. It is the Spirit of truth. It is the Spirit of faith. It is the Spirit of love. It is the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit of God. And we can go on tonight listing a whole list of, of multiple names of, the, of saying the same thing. We're just saying the same thing over and over again. So if it's all right with you tonight, I'm just going to call it the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. Is that Spirit that dwells in our hearts. He, God, gave it to us as the earnest of of our inheritance. Meaning what is going to come, it's just the down payment. Now what is coming is that when the finished product finally hears Jesus say, well done. Meaning that we have finished, we're done there. But here, he is still working on our lives. But he has anointed us, and he has sealed us. And then here's this term "sealed." Now, I want you to I want you to hold that in your desktop, if you would. In a, in, in another in another just just pull that over to the left side of your screen. So the right side of the screen, we've got Philippians, and now we've got Second Corinthians open over here. And in our study, now we're. Beginning Getting to understand that the scripture does not say that he hath established us, but it said that he established. So here is a terminology that um, it, it gives a meaning that if, if the scripture said he hath established us, is the, the, the King James version of me saying he has already established you or put your feet on solid ground. He has already done it, completed it and finished it and there's nothing else left to do. But when the scripture uses the term that he established us, it means it is a work in progress. And if you go to the originals, you'll see the, the two meanings and how they relate one to another. Meaning that it is not yet finished but he is still in the process of establishing us, meaning that the work is not yet complete, but He is completing it in us, meaning that there is a work. He is still working on me. Now, I remember uh, 30 years ago, the kids used to sing a song, and it was, He's still working on me. You remember? To make me what I ought to be. Took Him just a week to make the moon and the stars. And what that song's talking about is he's not finished yet. He's still working on me. And so that's what it's talking about. So a little song that that gives the kids an idea of what God is doing. So meaning that the work is not finished, but it is a work in progress. The apostle shows us what this establishing consists of and how it is accomplished. He said that he hath anointed us and he hath also sealed us. And the same one that anointed us is the same one that sealed us and is the same one that gave us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. And it names and says it is God that anoints us, seals us and gives us the earnest in our heart. Now these are all figures uh, of speech. It It is a figure of speech referring to the same thing. Meaning that it has to do with the process of establishing or assuring or finishing Our hearts. Now understand, under the old King James, uh, under the Old Testament uh, economy, prophets, priests, and kings were all authorized and confirmed into their office by anointing, meaning that it was a literal physical anointing when they were appointed to the position, when it came time, when when they were to become, uh, begin to minister as the priest. The, the higher priest would actually take anointing oil, just like the water bottle, and would open it and would pour it out upon the head of the priest, and they would minister a king before he would go into into work. A prophet of God was anointed. It was a literal physical anointing, and it was oil that was poured out upon the head. Thank goodness, brother Spangler didn't take the lid off of that. It is a literal anointing on the head, and and it would run down. The Scripture gives us emphatic insight. Talks about Aaron, how that when he was anointed, that the oil ran down through his hair and through his beard and through his garments all the way down to the floor. So this holy anointing is not something that is just to give yourself a little sponge bath in, but it is anointing that is to touch you from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. Now, I want you to get this because what that anointing means is that everything about you is going to change. That means everything, whoa, I feel the Holy Ghost now, that everything the anointing of God puts on you It is going to change you from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. It's going to change the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you act, the places you go, the things you do, the spirit you manifest. It ought to change everything about you. That, ladies and gentlemen, is one of the works of the Holy Ghost. That is what the Holy Ghost will do. It is the spirit of promise, and it is like the anointing which was poured out on the head of Aaron Rodgers. Down through all the way unto the floor. So the Holy Ghost. Is more than just an emotional moment where you feel cold chills running up and down your spine or it makes you want to jump and it makes you want to shout, makes you want to scream, causes you to speak with other tongues. But there is an anointing that comes with it that changes everything about you. That's why everything that you do, once you have been filled with the Holy Ghost, the scripture says old things are passed away and all things become new. But between that, in that text where it says old things are passed away and all things are become new there is a word and it says behold you know what that word really means it means to look so in other words when the Holy Ghost comes upon you when you are a new creature in Christ Jesus all things are passed away and all things are have become new. There is the word behold that is in that scripture. And that means that you can look and when you look, you will be able to see. Are you still wanting to shout with me now? Because the Holy Ghost isn't just an interior work that changes what is on the inside, but it will change what everybody. You're going to walk in your work, and somebody's going to say, "What in the world happened to him?" I didn't, man. I never look at the change in his life. Look at she is different. She doesn't even act the same, walk the same, talk the same. Her her conversation is different. His attitude it, because the work is more than just an interior work. But behold everything. Look, everything. Look, 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 look. Everything about them has become new. So therefore we're a new creature in Christ Jesus and when people look at us they would be able to tell. Look, they have become new. Now, This Holy Ghost experience that I'm talking about tonight, this seal, this anointing, this earnest, this down payment of our inheritance, this this promise that belongs to us is a promise that cannot be given by man, but the scripture emphatically says that it is given by God. So it is what God has poured out upon you. Now, now let me take a minute and let me digress just for a moment because when someone comes and someone is filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and they speak with other tongues, am I okay? Am I still all right? When someone is filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we have altar workers that come and pray. If you search the scripture, you'll find. Now, I wasn't going to get into this tonight, but I'm going to digress just for a moment here. The scripture talks about when in in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, when they received the Holy Spirit, they they received the Holy Spirit when uh, the apostles laid their hands upon them. And so there is power and agreement and unity and someone who has received the power of the Holy Spirit is. Anointed, and they have a special anointing upon them, and some have been commissioned. Uh, in this church to be altar workers, and they are they are gifted in the area of altar working. I I often say uh, about some of my sons and my wife, they're they're very gifted in altar work. And when they pray with people, I, I normally say uh, they have to be careful if they decided to pray in a field and there was a fence post. That fence post might get the Holy Ghost before they're done because they have a gift of praying with people uh, and people receiving the Holy Ghost. They have a gift, and and I've often been a little jealous because I have gifts of administration, different gifts but that gift is not necessarily a gift. It's happened many, many times. I've prayed with people and they received the Holy Spirit but it is not necessarily a gift that I have noticed that has been as prevalent in my life maybe as it has been others. Those are gifts. They're given specifically to individuals for those specific tasks. So when someone comes and they begin to ask God for the Holy Ghost after they have repented and after that they have been baptized to to Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Once they've repented, once they have been baptized, there is a promise that the Holy Ghost belongs to them. So the process for them to get the Holy Ghost is simply receiving what God has said, if you will do this, if you will repent, and if you will be baptized in Jesus' name, I will Give you the Holy Ghost. Now, it's just up to you to receive what God is wanting to give you. And when you come forward, and if you've never received the Holy Ghost and you come forward tonight, I want you to understand if you've repented and if you've been baptized, there is a promise that belongs to you. God will give you the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you've never repented, you have an opportunity to do so. If you've never been baptized, you should be, you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. We have robes, we have towels, we we have water, we'll be glad to baptize you tonight and the church is going to rejoice with you and when you come out of the water, there is a promise that belongs to you and you will receive the Holy Ghost and the way we will know that you receive the Holy Ghost is the scripture said that you will speak with other tongues as the spirit gives utterance. Now I want to speak into that tonight because when we're here praying for you, this isn't a language that man can teach you. This isn't something that somebody can tell you if you'll say these magic words, all of a sudden you're going to start speaking in a language that you did not know. We're not going to take you to a back room and tell you how to speak with tongues. They're not going to tell you if you'll say these words backwards 14 times, you're going to start saying, you're going to start speaking in tongues. That's not the Holy Ghost. That's called manipulation of the tongue. But what we're going to do is we're going to yield to the Holy Ghost and let God. God manipulate the tongue and we will begin to speak in a language that we have never, it will be a language, it won't just be gibberish and jabber, it will be a language that we have never spoken before and God will pour out His Spirit upon us and we will speak and those around us will hear and it will be as the Spirit gives the utterance. And so when one receives the Holy Spirit, this is the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, many, of course... Uh, understand that when we receive the Holy Ghost, then uh, we think that we have now been isolated from all of the attacks of the enemy, that the enemy will never, it will no longer come against us. We now have this new form of victory. We're never going to have a bad day. We're never going to be sick. We're never going to have trouble on the job. We're never going to get into an argument with, with our spouse. Now, my wife and I, we don't argue. We just discuss loudly. But that's not the case. The Holy Ghost is not an isolator. The Holy Ghost does not isolate you from the things in life. As a matter of fact, the Bible said it rains on the just and... On the unjust, meaning that it rains on everybody. So good and bad happens to everybody, both in the church and out of the church, both saved and unsaved. It rains on everybody. In other words, it is not, the Holy Ghost is not an isolator. However, the Holy Ghost is an insulator. I want you to get this now. The work of the Holy Spirit in you does not isolate you, but it insulates you. In other words, it allows you to be able to live in this world, but not be of this world. I am in the Word of God tonight. So it allows us to live in a sinful world, but not have to participate in the sin of the world. In other words, the world will still be going on around me, but it will not have the effect on me. It's like putting a big insulated jacket on in the middle of a cold winter today and going outside and building a snowman, you couldn't survive if you didn't have the jacket on, but the insulation, the down insulation, the nice synthetics that they have today, the insulation and the base layers, all that's you, you put those things allow you to be able to enjoy all the things in life, yet you're in an environment that is hostile you're in an environment that would that would destroy you. You would freeze to death. You literally could not live. Your skin would not be able to withstand it. You could not handle it. But it, it, there is an insulation. This is what the Holy Ghost does. It does not isolate you, but insulates you. The Spirit of God allows you to live in this sinful world, but you are insulated from it. Meaning, it's not going to have an effect on you the way it does on everybody else in the world. The Holy Ghost will allow me to say no when I need to say no, and say go. When When I need to go and stop when I need to stop and say, yes, when I need to. It is an insulator. It is a director. It will help you. It will guide you. It will lead you. It will instruct you. Now, as the Holy Spirit, which is an insulator. Now, let me go back now and let's open up. This, this open up, this Philippians uh, this Philippians scripture that we had open a few moments ago now, if I can pull it off the right side of the screen and we can open it and begin now to see that there is, that this Holy Spirit it is a seal It is a seal. It is a sealer. Let me help you with this now, uh, if I may. Can I jump down here with you tonight, get close to you, so you understand? Now, we built this building. We've been in this building now for 26 weeks or so, I think. Uh, And when we were working on this building, all this beautiful woodwork that you see, uh, don't look too closely. It may not be perfect, but we did the best we could with what we had to work with. And uh, uh, we started working on this wood. Some of this wood was stained. It had gotten wet, it had had elements of life, had gotten a hold of it. And so we sanded, before we ever started, we had to sand that wood down. And we this wood, was it was sanded down. It turned this really fresh white and it was beautiful. And we took stain and we put the stain on it and turned it its beautiful color. But it was not done until we began to put the sealer on it. I want you to understand why it has to have the sealer put on it because as long as it was as as that pores were open we had already stained it, it had turned to color and we could have said that's beautiful, just put it up right there, but what would happen is somebody would come along and they'd place their hand on it and because they have a little oil in their hand, those fingerprints would go onto that wood and it 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 would become imprinted into the wood and you would be able to see it and somebody would get a little dirt on it and it wouldn't come off because it would go into the pores and it would change the very the very essence of the wood. But when you put a sealer on it, it means I can spill something on it. I can get a little water on it. I can touch it. And all I got to do, I could go over and smear a little mud on it if I wanted to. And all I got to do is just take a, 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 a towel and wipe it off and make it clean because the seal ma- creates a barrier. It is an insulator that keeps what is on the outside from affecting what is anybody with me now so the seal of the Holy Ghost is exactly what it does the Holy Ghost is a work that is done in you that keeps whatever is going on on the outside from getting in you that means you deal with, with all sorts of things in this world, all sorts of things. You can be in, in situations that would make anyone else bitter. It would make someone else angry. It would make, But it doesn't affect you. It doesn't change you because what is going on on the outside is not going to get on the inside. So there is a change that God is bringing into our life. It is a seal of the Holy Ghost. J.W. Pink says the main intent of sealing is to assure or to certify or to ratify. First, the Holy Spirit conveys an assurance of the truth of God's promises whereby man's understanding is spiritually convinced that the promises are from God. Neither the light of reason nor the persuasive power Of fellow mortal man can bring anyone to rest his heart upon divine promises. In order to do that, there must be a direct working of the Holy Spirit, meaning the work that has been done in you is sealed by the Holy Ghost. Let me help you now as we understand the plan of salvation given very clearly in the book of Acts when they stood up following the day of Pentecost, outpouring in the upper room when 120 were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. There were people round about the city that heard about it and they began to ask and they said, Men and brethren, what must we do? Peter stood up and began to declare unto them, Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let me help you understand what is going on here. That means at the point that you repent, The Bible said he is faithful and just to forgive. That means you were forgiven. It doesn't mean the sin is gone, but it means he's forgiven. He's saying, I won't hold it to your account. I'm not going to. You have been forgiven, but the guilt that is associated with that sin is still on you. But then he goes on and says, I'm not going to leave you carrying that baggage. I'm not going to leave you hauling around your past. I'm not going to make you lug around everything you did. I forgave you, but you're still carrying the load of it. That's why he says, let's go to water. Because when we go down in water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, no other name will work. The formula is in the name of Jesus. It is all through the scripture. Nowhere in the Bible do you find where anyone was ever baptized. Any other way other than calling on the name of Jesus. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ himself said go into all nations and baptize in the name of the Father and the name of the Son. And He didn't say the titles of the father, son. He said in the name, the name of the father is Jesus. The name of the son is Jesus. The name, the name, the name, the name, the name. It is Jesus. The scripture is full. You can't just stand on one scripture by many infallible proof. There is none of the name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. At the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. So the scripture's full of it. So when you are baptized in the name of Jesus, we'll roll this back tonight if someone wants to be baptized. And before you go down, we're going to say we baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. And when we speak the name of Jesus over you and you are baptized, Buried with him in baptism, meaning you're going to go under the water and you come up. It's more than going down dry, coming up wet. It's more than public confession of your faith. But through faith, we know that your sins have been remitted or they have been stopped. They have been removed. They have been washed. Watch this now. When you repent, he forgives you. You carry the load of sin, but you're carrying the the guilt associated with everything you've done in your past. But when you go down in-water baptism, in the name of Jesus, the guilt that is associated with that sin no longer belongs to you. As a matter of fact, the Bible said that he took the handwriting of ordinances that were against us, and he took them out of the way, nailing them to the cross. Here's what happens in water baptism. When you go down in water baptism, everything from your past, all the Guilt associated with your sin has been moved. It has been taken out of the way. It has been left. You come out of that water to live in a brand new life. I don't know no better explanation and let's go back to this woodwork that we're doing. So you have been sanded and you have been stained. But the Bible said that you must be sealed. Meaning that the initial work of repentance and baptism will not keep you in the long run. Over the long haul. The only way that you cannot continue to live in a repented only life or a baptized only life. You must be born again of the water and of the spirit. That is the Holy Spirit that is in you. It is the seal that God will place on your life. When you are sealed, it means it seals in the work of redemption through repentance and through baptism. The Holy Spirit now becomes the insulator that keeps anything on the outside from affecting the first works that you've already done with repentance and baptism now even the devil himself cannot get a hold of you he can affect the outside he can cause you to get a bad spirit walk away from god do anything that you want to do but what the, the redemptive work that god has done in your life he said i did that work in you and here's what the bible says if we sin we have an advocate with the father Jesus Christ the righteous and he is the propitiation for our sin. In other words, Jesus Christ the righteous one is the one that shed his blood. All we must do is go back and do our first works over which is the work of repentance. So when we go back and repent again, the seal of the Holy Ghost is there that kept the sin that you participated in to get too deep into your spirit that the blood of Jesus will not wash and cleanse you. Again, now we are washed by the water of the word of God. This is why church attendance is so important. This is why we come study the word because every time we begin to teach and preach the word of God we are washed by the water of the word meaning that, uh, that we're, we're polishing the furniture if you please and that Holy Ghost that is in us, that seal that is on us that, that seal that God has put in us allows the word of God to buff us and wax us and make us shine but it is not a finished work. It is a work that he is continuing to do in our life. That's why we must not go one time and be filled with the Holy Ghost and say, now I'm done. I don't ever need to do anything else again. We must go back time and time again and be washed by the water of the word. I didn't come here tonight to tell you that sealing excludes all doubting and that it is the assurance that prevails over everything else. But it is what allows us, it is the assurance that allows us to prevail over all doubt. That's why it's important for us to do more than just go and speak with tongues one time. It is important for us to go back and speak with tongues on a regular basis. It reaffirms our seal. Time, troubles, life, all these things wear the seal until it can become unrecognizable. And in those weak moments of life, we are unable to fight back the power of the accuser. But when we go back and reaffirm our seal, but going back and letting the Holy Spirit reestablish there we are right back to those words again. Reestablish what he did at the beginning in our life. Meaning every now and then the Lord comes and says, let me anchor those feet back down again. Let me begin to pour out on you again. And I'm going to let you begin to speak in heaven. You know why I need to go back and speak in tongues all over again? Because he's a establishing, meaning I'm re-anchoring your, your feet into a firm foundation. I'm putting your feet back on something that is firm I'm reestablishing you we have a and inherent, inherited, Ephesians tells us, by faith. And having believed, we have been sealed. Talk. I, I, I want to talk to you tonight a little bit about what that seal does. And I'm, I'm going to hurry. I recognize the time is blitzing by. But I want to. I want to share with you a little bit about the seal of the King. I want you to understand. I'm going to talk a little bit about the authority of the seal. And I want you to understand about how the name of the King is established in this seal process. All right. Can I do that? Just can I have just about 10 or 15 more minutes of your time? The Bible declares that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. This seal is referring to something very similar to the seal of a king. A king would have his, he would have a ring with an emblem that recognized his name. The name of the king would be perhaps upon the ring, and the ring would be pressed upon. It's like a notary seal, if you would. All right, you with me? Everybody with me. It's like the notary seal that is pressed up on the paper that says I've established it. This can't be fake so they put the notary seal and the name of the notary is written on it this is what this come from the idea of the king he took his ring with the inscription of his name and what he stood for and it was pressed upon a document and the king's it was a seal that said now when the king hands that that letter to his errand boy that servant to run to the to the next county and to hand it to the other king it was a decree from the king to go to the people and they look for it it, um, it didn't amount to anything if it did not have the seal of the king because anybody couldn't could have written could have written it but when the king's seal is placed upon it they knew that can't be there's no counterfeit because that is the inscription of the king and it declares and so it gives the one it gives the messenger the authority that is invested that is vested by the power of the king through the seal and so when the seal is is placed upon the document the messenger goes and when the king, the receiving king would say and in what name do you come? Who sends you? He would say I come in the name of such and such king and I have here his seal which signifies that I'm not just telling you something that I that, that I have the authority of the king because it recognized his authority by his seal. Can I preach this just for a moment? When he fills you, I feel my help tonight when he fills you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance, let me explain to you what happens, he is placing his name upon you that's why we baptize in the name because when you come out of the water he's given you a promise that is going to be applied to your life and it is the name that is applied to your life and everywhere you go you're not just going in your own name but I'm going in the authority of the king that placed his seat. The king is sealed. If you've been filled with the Holy Ghost tonight, you have been sealed by the King. You have the authority of the King. My Lord, I feel like David right now. I could run through a troop and leap over the wall, but I want to tell every person in this room, you have a power that is greater than your power. When you have been filled with the Holy Ghost, you have a seal, and it is connected to the name. And when you speak the name of Jesus with the authority of that seal, you are speaking a name that God himself has said, I gave it to you for you to be able to tread on serpents. It's right. in obedience to scripture we come forward and the ministry lays hands on you. But I want to tell you what you have tonight. If you have been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you have an authority that God has invested in you by the power of his seal of the Holy Ghost and you can speak the name of Jesus with authority. You know why some people don't see things happen? Because they speak the name of Jesus too timid and shy and bashful and I'm not sure. And the demons say I'm not so sure because they're not so sure. I want to preach some faith and hope and authority into some people that are in this room tonight to declare that every demon in hell trembles when a Holy Ghost filled child of God begins to speak the name of Jesus. You have a power because you have a name. You have authority because you have a name. You are sent in the name. That's why when you go out, don't go out in your own power. Go out in the power and authority of the Word of God. That's why we come tonight and declare, you need healing, I'm not the healer. But by the power and authority of the Word of God, I have a seal that he gave me and bestowed upon me when he filled me with his spirit be healed in Jesus name If you're in the room tonight and you need anything from God, you ought to already be in the aisle. You ought to already be walking to the front of this room because there is a power and authority of the Word of God that has been released by the power that is in the name of Jesus. If you have a need in your life, you ought to come forward tonight. If you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost, you ought to come forward. If it's been a long time since you've spoken with other tongues, you ought to come forward and you ought to say, God, I want you to reaffirm and reestablish in me the authority that you put in me when you saved me. Oh, come on, everybody in the house ought to be seeking the face of God right now. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise you are sealed, you have authority. Every young person in this room has authority over any addiction that would want to attach itself to you. Every adult in this room, you have the power and authority of the Word of God. You ought to look at that mountain and declare, be removed out of my life. I'm not going to go home and deal with the addiction. I'm not going to go home and deal. In the name of Jesus, be removed. In the name of Jesus, be done. You need healing in your body? You ought to declare it. In the name of Jesus, I have authority over this sickness. In the name of Jesus, I have authority over Over this thing that is coming against me. Come on, everybody in the house, seek the face of God for a few moments. If you've never repented of your sins, you ought to do so right now. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, you ought to notify somebody right now. We'll baptize you in Jesus' name. If you have never been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you ought to notify somebody next to you and ask them, would you pray with me? I want to receive the Holy Ghost. The power of God's in the room tonight. If you have the courage to come forward, God's got the courage to fill you. It is His promise tonight. Anything you need, nothing's impossible with the Lord. Nothing is impossible with the Lord. Nothing is impossible with the Lord. Why don't you just look over to your neighbor and ask him right now, have you been sealed? Have you been filled? Go ahead and ask him. Everybody, take the liberty right now. Ask him, have you been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost? If not, why not tonight? Go ahead and ask them. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you ought to come right here to the front. Whoever you just ask, if they haven't, ask them if they want to come forward with you. Bring them right here to the front tonight. God's going to establish His Word. He'll do it right here in the room tonight. If you've never repented of your sins, if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, there's never going to be a better time than right now. God will do a work right now. Come on, church, everybody in, the, everybody in the room, begin to seek the face of God right now. God wants to do a divine work in this house. God wants to do a divine work in the house. You have the authority. You have, If you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, you have the authority in the name of Jesus. You have authority. You have dominion and power in the name of Jesus. You have authority in the name of Jesus. We've been sealed. We've been sealed. Maybe you felt weak. Maybe you've doubted. Maybe you felt like it's for somebody else. But I come tonight to try to preach faith into you and tell you. It's not your neighbor that has the authority. If you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, you have it. And it is through the name of Jesus. It is through the name of Jesus. Link up with somebody next to you right now because there's power in agreement. There's power in agreement. We're going to agree together right now all over this room. If there's nobody in the room that needs the Holy Ghost tonight and desires the Holy Ghost tonight, if there's nobody that wants to be baptized Maybe there's somebody that you want to intercede for tonight. Maybe you just want to speak that name to that neighbor that is standing next to you. Maybe it's somebody on your top ten list. Maybe it's a name that you've been praying over. You want to just speak that name to your neighbor right now. God's able to do it. God is able to do it right now. Agree together with somebody. Put your faith together with somebody right now. Begin to pray over it. Somebody take authority over every spirit of doubt every spirit of fear. Don't be shy about it tonight. Speak that name with authority in the name of Jesus. By the power in the name of Jesus. We take authority over every principality and power. Over every dominion that is holding them back. We take authority over it. We take authority over it.